Good morning. Today is Thursday, January 11, 2024. 1 1 2024. Class 12 in the series Patanjali and Buddha <clears throat> We're getting into some very advanced levels of discussion. What comes after? Um, uh, well-achieved Ashtanga Yoga as uh, eight-limbed or eight-aspected stages, workings of yoga <clears throat> leading to the top three Anga or limbs, which can be called Samyama, which is Dharana, Dhyana, and Samadhi, meaning concentration, uh, meditative, uh, extended meditation and then concentration or then samadhi which is more than concentration it's really equanimity um, quiet mind uh, non-proliferation of thought and feeling naturally um, and stable awareness <clears throat> without um, uh, without without uh, mm, uncontrolled thinking <laughs> And in general, uh, most of our thinking is unnecessary, it seems to me. Ra talking about the Council of Saturn, talking about when they have some minor <clears throat> disagreements in uh, decision-making. The phrase was, when a need for thought is present, and then they think. Uh, thought in general, logical, rational, empirical, you know, rational, uh, linear, thought-form-based thinking, not intuition, not gnosis. Uh, but the, the little by little, uh, <clears throat> much of it is driven by um, vasanas, <laughs> uh, deep mind distortions or uh, chitta vritti. So all of this is about the niroda of chitta vritti, chitta vritti niroda, the cessation or suspension of deep mind um, autonomous uh, fluctuation activity, meaning. Monk, the basis of monkey mind, the basis of unnecessary thinking, being stilled. So that's uh, what is needed for, um, or that's uh, the work that occurs in samadhi after, you know, once the uh, Ashtanga Yoga is well settled, <clears throat> uh, then we have extended samadhi, and then comes as uh, Swami Jay said, the natural arising of finer states, then comes insight into their nature, then comes greater releasing, and freedom from all sorts of uh, false beliefs, uh, such as the belief in substantial separate of self, and of course the roots of craving. And so non-identification, radical detachment, uh, radical seeing and liberating freedom, uh, liberative uh, seeing, knowing, occurs in that, in the in the the further reaches of extended samadhi. And so, um, <clears throat> what I want to do today is set some of the foundations further, as I started last time, for a deeper understanding of what happens in extended samadhi, um, the nature of insight. Uh, the nature of the goal, <clears throat> uh, referencing basically a number of uh, pretty hardcore Buddhist suttas and terms. Uh, I guess I'll jump into that first. So <clears throat> from last time, uh, I mentioned a sutta called Nibedika Sutta, translated by Tanasaro Bhikkhu as penetrative. It's Samutta Nikaya 55.3, I believe. And there were just two paragraphs of Tanasaro Bhikkhu's translation that I want to bring in. And then a few paragraphs from Salayatana Vibhanga Sutta, also very advanced uh, sutta, translated again, Tanasaro Bhikkhu. That one's called Analysis of the Six Sense Media. Uh, because that's what's happening at extended levels, you know, in advanced meditation or in extended samadhi when the finer states arise and they're set aside. As Swami Jay, coming out of straight up Vedanta, yoga philosophy, mentions 
this is the concord between um, upper working of uh, yoga, Vedantic yoga, uh, and uh, original Pali uh, Buddhism, Buddhadhamma teachings of Gautama. <clears throat> Their teachings on what happened, what, what's the, the nature of the releasing process, the nature of insight, the, the mode by, the means by which insight is developed in extended samadhi, <laughs> where <clears throat> one is not working, worrying about body conditions, one has forgotten about the body, actually, and even the breath is extremely faint and subtle, and one doesn't need to hold on even in the same way to uh, Annapanna Sati, the Sati of Annapanna, the mindfulness of in-breath, out-breath, because there ain't, <clears throat> there ain't much in-breath, out-breath happening at that point. Um, there's, there's the arising of finer states and they're setting aside. Just as uh, Swami Jay talking about Vedanta, you know, Patanjali's Yoga Sutta Ashtanga Yoga, just as he said in the breakdown and analysis of uh, Patanjali's uh, teaching, it's really extremely, <clears throat> uh, it, it's fully harmonious in my, from my view, with uh, advanced teachings from Gautama regarding the methods of, of, of achieving insight or realization and freedom. So from Nibbadika, uh, two paragraphs simply trans Tanisaro. Therefore, Digavu, this was Gautama speaking to him, when you're established in these four factors of stream entry, you should further develop six qualities conducive to clear knowing, which is the, <laughs> okay, I'll just finish it. Remain, uh, you, you won't get it unless you've heard it before or you can go jump, <laughs> follow the bouncing ball quickly. Remain focused on inconstancy in all fabrications. That means the anicca, of Sankara, percipient of stress in what is inconstant, the dukkha of anicca, percipient of not-self in what is stressful, the, un, the anatta of dukkha, percipient of abandoning, percipient of dispassion, vairagya, but particularly a radical disinterest, and percipient of cessation. So I'll read it again. Therefore, Digavu when you're established in these four factors of stream entry and the four were conviction, basically stream entry, the three fetters broken plus a little bit more, the four factors of stream entry, conviction, meaning certainty in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, generosity dana, virtue, um, sila, and discernment, a certain kind of freedom from views, um, initial freedom from views, attachment to view then you should further develop six qualities conducive to clear knowing. And this is the key. Remain focused on inconstancy or impermanence in all fabrications, the impermanence of thought and feeling, of perception and thought and feeling. The percipient meaning perceiving. <clears throat> perceiving the inconstancy of all in all fabrications, the impermanence, the uh, transitory, coming, going, arising, persisting, passing away, nature of all that occurs that we're conscious of, all that we're conscious of, our perceptions, uh, sensations in the body, perceptions of, you know, so perceptions of sensation and the sensation and our thought and our feeling and our memory and our imagining and everything we're feeling, you know, oh, I feel joy, oh, I feel misery, uh, in, they all arise, persist, pass away. So remain focused on the inconstancy in all fabrications. Then, percipient of or perceiving the stress in what is inconstant, the dukkha, dissatisfactoriness, unsuitability of dwelling in what is indeed impermanent, inconstant, come and going. That, that's stressful. The, the very experiencing of continual impermanence is a, is a stress, is stressor too. Then, Perceiving, percipient of not-self and what's stressful, meaning there is no I here. Uh, <clears throat> that's uh, one approach to realizing anatta or no-self or, you know, the emptiness of selfhood. So, uh, the emptiness really of our fashioned notion of identity. Fashioned identity is empty, empty of substantiality. It doesn't mean there is nothing happening here. It means 
what's happening here is not the same as our conceivings of it. Percipient of not self and what's stressful, right? What's stressful, I mean, this is the old formula. Uh, what is of dukkha couldn't be I. I'm not sure if that really makes sense, but, <laughs> but that's okay. Perceiving not self and what's stressful. And perceiving abandoning, perceiving dispassion, perceiving cessation. That's how you should train yourself. So it's basically the three marks applied to the five skandhas. The three marks, three characteristics applied to the five skandhas. The three marks of impermanent anicca impermanence in uh, impermanence inconstancy, transitoriness, come and go in, and no self or of insubstantial, you know, the insubstantiality of our conceived identity, anatta, no atta, no conceived fashion data, and then dukkha, stress, uh, dissatisfactoriness, suffering and pain, but it's not always going to be raw pain and suffering. It's basically uh, dukkha as, <clears throat> um, th this is not my home, this is not a refuge. There's no refuge, final well-being in the impermanent. Then perceiving, abandoning, and, and knowing all that, basically the anicca natta dukkha of the perceivings of or or the nature of sensation even bliss the nature of perceptions themselves they come they go <clears throat> if i'm not perceiving my anger or labeling it anger am i still in anger well uh, if i'm there's still sensation in the body. Well, what if I'm not conceiving those sensations in the body? Oh, right? You say, fuck off, and I say, Rrr. and so I say, I'm angry, I hate you, I am anger, identification. That's not seeing the impermanence or insubstantiality of the thought, you know, the psychophysical process, the sensations in the body and the thoughts and feelings in the mind that we call I'm angry, right? Not seeing that, I identify and say, I'm angry, I hate you, you're bad. What if I don't think about I'm angry, I'm angry? Am I still angry? Well, some people will say that's tautology and that's bullshit or that's just solipsism and you're just you know, a sophist and a liar. Meaning, just because you don't think you're angry doesn't mean you're not angry, you really are angry. Why? How do I know? Because it arose, therefore it remains. How long am I angry if I don't keep thinking I'm angry, Mr. Debunker? So, uh, <clears throat> something happens. My reaction is, I'm angry. What does that mean? It means I've perceived sensations in the body. I've perceived and generate thoughts in the mind. I perceive emotional process, mental emotional process, physical, emotional, mental process is arising, is perceived to be arising is perceived and believed <laughs> and identified with and I say I'm angry mm -hmm. what if uh, one goes to silence what if the, there's no more generation of thought there's no more perception of anger is there isn't there where are you are you still angry well uh, there's still perceptions of sensation in body uh, well what if you don't think on those perceptions of quote, sensations in the body. Then what have you got? Uh, I don't know, actually. I don't know, meaning no knowing. Meaning you, you realize the emptiness of um, the psychophysical process. It's based on um, unbroken chain of um, conceiving. Perception, conception. Third skanda, fourth skanda. Perception going to sankara, fashioning fashioning the, the continued arising of perception the continued fashioning of conception interpretation understanding i i am this and i'm that identifications that's what's happening and the way that that the way that one is free from false identity and craving ultimately obviously and fundamental root ignorance is um pretty straightforward this application of the three marks to the five skandhas that's it ba boom now that's a whole lot easier said than done. Then we have <laughs> Salayatana Vibhanga Sutta, 
Analysis of Sixth Sense Media, also Tanisaro's translation. Just another couple of paragraphs to read, to jump in, to throw into the mix here. Quote, there is equanimity coming from multiplicity, dependent on multiplicity, and then there's equanimity coming from singleness, dependent on singleness. Depending by depending and relying on equanimity, coming from singleness, dependent on singleness, abandon and transcend equanimity coming from multiplicity, dependent on multiplicity. Such is its abandoning, such is its abandoning, such its transcending. Then, by depending and relying on non-fashioning, atamayata, bing, 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 critical word, atamayata. By depending and relying on non-fashioning, which is Tanisaro's translation, by the way, of non-fashioning, of, of atamayata, as non-fashioning. By depending and relying on non-fashioning, abandon and transcend the equanimity coming from singleness, dependent on singleness, such as its abandoning, such its transcending. Depending on this, abandon that. Thus it was said, and in reference to this was it said. Uh, so there's equanimity, upekka, um, quiet mind, peaceful mind, coming from multiplicity. The multiplicity in the uh, notes to this uh, Salayatana Vibhanga, uh, Tanisaro uh, mentioned or made clear. You know, you, you know, if you want to understand things, you've got to deep. If you don't go deep, you just you know end up in the shallows and you stay in the shallows with all the other new ages new agers or you know love of or wisdom wanderers um who don't have a penetrating comprehension uh, but in the notes on salayatana vibhanga sutta from tanasaro and i have all the links below uh, <clears throat> maybe it isn't from here Anyway, the, the idea is that multiplicity, uh, the, the multiplicity that one can find some equanimity in uh, associates with the, the five physical perceptions or perception of physicality. Uh, I can, you know, continue recognizing I'm in the physical world <laughs> or continue conceiving that, that conceiving. I'm in the physical world. There's a me and a body and a world and an inner and outer and I is perceiving you know physically uh, maybe no taste or touch or smell but there's seeing and hearing so there's seeing and there's hearing and there's bodily sensation feeling and depending on that or with that in meditation or out of meditation there can be some equanimity so long as one's not um, fashioning uh, complex narratives so this is called, this is akin to the equanimity coming from, from multiplicity. It's a, deta a, a continued perceiving of the physical world and dualistic consciousness, obviously, of subject, object, inner, outer. But there's some non-grasping, some freedom from you know, grasping and aversion and a relative non-fashioning. And there's some equanimity. Uh, while we still continue the common beliefs, experiences of I'm me here in the physical world, that's there, and they're seeing and hearing, and okay, um, there's some degree of detachment and non-grasping. So <clears throat> there's some degree of equanimity, but it's not very stable. Then, in fact, going from the lower jhanas to the higher jhanas, that's what the movement of depending on multiplicity for equanimity to going to dropping that by depending on singleness. He says by depending on relying on equanimity coming from singleness, which is actually the higher jhanas, dependent on singleness, abandon and transcend equanimity coming from multiplicity. So the, the idea is um, like walking up a ladder. Uh, put your foot firmly on the next rung before you let go of uh, your placement on the current rung. But depending on the stability of the next step forward, you can let go of the current condition, the current step, uh, the current uh, relative equanimity dependent on, and it, it probably is associated with the earlier jhanas, equanimity coming from multiplicity. 
there's still directed thought in the earlier jhanas, the earlier trances, in the earlier stages of samadhi. So we're here, we're talking to some degree the transit from earlier forced, the, the rupa jhana to the arupa jhana, the trances or states of mind in meditation samadhi associated with still a dualistic sense of uh, subject, object, directed thought. Uh, that's multiplicity or one uh, way that this term multiplicity is explained. And there's some relative equanimity in those jhanas where there's still directed thought and a sense of me and that and perceiving and conceiving. Then to be free of that, the next finer state <laughs> needs to be um, dependent upon. One must move awareness to recognize there is a higher state, which is called singleness, which is associated with arupa, formless jhanas, which is where you get into some, I mean, you know, nearly none of us are going to be adept in coming and going from the, the, the higher jhanas. <laughs> if anybody's really adepted, uh, anyone here is adepted to lower jhanas, meaning uh, states of samadhi. In general, the people who are most adept wouldn't be listening to me. <laughs> they're beyond this, and they're already there in the higher conditions, uh, hopefully uh, continuing their uh, releasing. But uh, the, the, it's a stepwise process. The path, you know, like walking, uh, you, you don't put all your weight on the next step until you're sure it's, it's firm and the ground is, is solid. Uh, and you can't get to the next step without uh, a solid footing in the current condition, in the, in the current footing. The, the current footing and step is, is position must be solid to launch to the next. This is not a little matter, actually. So uh, the safe path, rather than spiritual bypassing or skipping, which doesn't work in the long run, uh, is to be finished here before you can go there. And in fact, you can't really be there until you're finished here, meaning... Uh, one needs some degree of equanimity coming from multiplicity before one can get to singleness at all, or the higher jhanas, or the the states in which there isn't a sense of selfhood or dualism or directed thinking. The higher jhanas are uh, perception of infinity of space, perception of infinity of uh, consciousness, perception of nothingness, and then neither perception nor non-perception. So... You know, the higher levels uh, beyond Samyama or mm, Samyama achieved steady, you know, silence of mind, silence of silence of mind, really, at a steady state, paraphrasing Ra. That's a relative equanimity. Initially, it'll be based on multiplicity. Then it could be based on uh, singleness. And you, you can't go, you can't really stably stay in number two until you're finished or you're well practiced in number one, meaning uh, the lower jhanas or multiplicity where there's still directed thought and there's still uh, some, some dualism of subject-object. There can be equanimity there, or there will be if you're there. Then if you keep going, finer states continue to arise, just as Swami Jay said. And those finer states go into the higher jhanas and that's where you get uh, depending and relying on equanimity coming from singleness but then that singleness actually is a fashioning because uh, the next step depending and relying on non-fashioning abandon and transcend equanimity coming from singleness singleness is the perception of unity the perception of boundlessness perception of boundless uh, space and consciousness and then nothingness those states finer states are uh, perceived per, the, the, per, uh, fashioned perceptions <laughs> catalyst goes to experience the experience is fashioned of the perception so I mean and I'm looking at you am I making you um, yes and no <laughs> And I'm going to get into this where we get into a deep dive into the word atamayata. And, um, and I could see there's a passage from Ajahn Chah, which is very excellent. I mean, I didn't really know Ajahn Chah had that. So 
uh, a tamayata non-fashioning Tanisaro's translation also sometimes called non non-identification but identification and fashioning is really the same identity is fashioned if you don't fashion there isn't a conceived identity meaning me 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 i me me i i me my so the basis of uh, realizing anatta uh, which is in some sense the hardest the last of the three uh, marks or characteristics you know anachanatadukha anatta in the middle uh, that's why it's at the end <laughs> uh, normally i put it in the middle uh, meaning impermanence no self and stress it really is the last to go because it's associated with the eighth fetter and that's only broken by arahan but that freedom from identity or the non-fashioning of identity um is is done by realizing the emptiness of fashioning the insubstantiality of uh, conceiving conceived labeled phenomena or perceptions it's really uh, conceiving perceptions is fashioning putting thought form interpretation to raw perception and it doesn't mean you should be a dummy we should be uh, thoughtless you know morons who can't think but an awareness of the um insubstantiality the illusory nature of conceiving which is fashioning which is making compositing uh, is critical critical so first <laughs> you know one finishes uh, one one uh, establishes some kind of solid foundation of ashtanga yoga then uh, the summit being the uh, silence of mind at a steady state samadhi uh, non-grasping attentiveness sati um, extended the ex the the uh, a long-term uh, dwelling if if you can say so in silence of mind with silence of mind that leads to an equanimity yet still dependent on multiplicity then finer states arise continuing to arise if one continues on that path uh, there is uh, an experience of singleness and singleness here again it seems tanasaro explained as considered the higher jhanas now while you can't get insight in the higher jhanas there is nice equanimity coming from that singleness which is where subject object dualism falls away but those are temporary states of course so then there's some experience of um, equanimity depending on singleness which is itself fashioned the the perceived i perceiving unity all is one that is a statement coming from a conception coming from a perception the perception is wow <laughs> when i see uh, phenomena you know forms of trees and uh, buildings and uh, windows and xyz i see it really is one field of life or light it's one light the many forms is one light this many forms that is one light is one life i see do i see it or i conceive it well i'm conceiving what i'm seeing it's that you know ever bound perception conception uh, third skanda fourth skanda perceiving to sankara fashioning process that's how fashioning is done so saying this is or that is is the result of fashioning meaning perception conception that's the way it's done as far as i can tell so there's perception conception of the uh, multiplicity subject object there's the perception conception of singleness where there isn't a sense of subject anymore but there is the fashioning of an experience of non-subjectivity or non-duality relative non-duality this is called singleness you know boundless uh, infinity of space infinity of consciousness nothingness particularly uh, i is everywhere or this one 
this space here is ever there's there's only one place here fifth jhana there's only one mind everywhere i is everywhere this one awareness is everywhere awareness itself is boundless sixth jhana and then nothingness is some kind of winking out of that the difference between i don't really know the difference between uh jhanic sleep and uh uh, seventh skanda, uh, seventh uh, jhana, uh, perception of nothingness, infinity of you know awareness of nothingness, but in in any case, uh, subject object perception doesn't happen, and that is associated then with dependent on singleness, and the way to get beyond that is to pull back into uh, to to realize that there's fashioning in the experience of singleness or non-duality or thinking about it is the fashioning labeling the experience having quote experience is inherently a labeling that's the point what we call I'm experiencing this or I'm experiencing that or whatever is intrinsically the result of fashioning perception conception which is chitta vritti (laughs) and so without chitta vritti there's no fashioning bing 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 and that is atamayata and that is the way to abandon the equanimity coming from singleness. <laughs> okay. So then, <laughs> if you're still breathing, 3130 in the time frame alone, then we have a couple of interesting things. Uh, I will only get into uh, there's a wisdom library uh, definitions of the word nibbana. This is a lateral move. So uh, the um, way of um, depending and relying on (laughs) non-fashioning. How do you do that? Atamayata, non-fashioning. Again, it goes from first equanimity, um, dualistic equanimity, to non-dualistic equanimity, dependent first on multiplicity, and a normal perceiving of this, that, and the other thing, in the earlier jhanas particularly. And then there's the equanimity of singleness, which is particularly in the higher jhanas, the formless jhanas, which is still a fashioning. Uh, Then one recognizes, oh, (laughs) I'm still fashioning. Uh And that fashioning, perception, conception, third, fourth skandhas, is anicchanata dukkha that fashioning uh, by which I say I think I'm in in singleness or equanimity? I feel I'm in equanimity. Uh, you know, there is, uh, or I was in. <laughs> uh, there's been uh, equanimity um, associated with you know awareness of unity. That's what singleness means. But that was a fashioning. Knowing that, then one realizes, oh, there is a freedom, there's a greater freedom because I cannot do what I've been doing, which is a fashioning. Because fashioning is impermanent, insubstantial, and stressful too. The the emptiness of of fashioning. Mm -hmm. The emptiness of fashioning. (laughs) What? Is uh, not fashion. Fashion is the (laughs) mugatu. The hairy monster and uh, Zoolander, um, the Zoolander school for kids who can't spell right. (laughs) Uh, Fashioning is empty. And the experience of both manyness, subject-object, and singleness, law of one, awareness of unity are both experiences uh, that are based in fashioning, meaning perception, conception, perceiving, conceiving, uh, sankara, proliferation of samkara. And, and thus, one, the finer state that arises from the perception of the equanimity of unity or singleness, the condition, oh, I'm in equanimity and singleness, it's not quite like that, but there's an awareness, oh, this is equanimity, and non-duality that's recognized as um, a fashioning as a dukkha. it's 
the equanimity of singleness, the equanimity of awareness of unity, is recognized as a, a as a fashioned, unnecessary um, proliferation, empty, in you know impermanent, insubstantial, and stressful, and an add-on, um, an unneeded doing. The fashioning that comes out as I'm in equanimity in in unity. Eh? So we're talking about, you know, down the line, down the line, down the line. Depending on this, abandon that, finer states continually arise. First, there's some equanimity based on multiplicity. Then there's some equanimity that one, one, one realizes uh, this is um, insubstantial too. This is a concoction too. This is a fermentation too. Then there's some equanimity based on awareness of unity or boundlessness, the higher jhanas, which can be experienced to some degree right now, even in body with your eyes open, actually. Not exactly, but it depends. <laughs> if you're finished, I'm not finished. But And then um, one realizes, oh, this equanimity of singleness is itself a concocted, fashioned, impermanent, insubstantial, and stressful. To me, insubstantial is the key. Um, and Ajahn Chah talks about the, the two pairs of, of three, the, two, two, the, the double triad. It's brilliant. I mean, really great stuff, which I'll get into. So, okay. So let me get to it. Actually, I got to go first to the Wisdom Library talking about Nibbana. So access to insight, boom, Pali, you know, the first source in the section on Theravada, the understanding of Nibbana. Uh, from access to insight, glossary of Pali and Buddhist terms, quote, liberation, meaning Nibbana is liberation, literally, quote, unbinding of mind from mental effluence, see Ashrava, or defilements, Klesha, and the round of rebirth, see Vatta. So literally, the unbinding of the mind from ashravas, asavas, kileshas, all kinds of uh, you know defilements, and the round of rebirth, and from all that can be described or defined. Ah, Tanasaro knows. So, as this, and I'll, I'll I'll have to read it without breaking it up with midstream commentary. So liberation, the definition of. I'm going to pull some words out that seem excessive, but um, in general, this is a straightforward reading now first. So, liberation, literally the unbinding, quote, unbinding of the mind from mental effluence, defilements, and the round of rebirth, and from all that can be described or defined. As this term also denotes extinguishing of a fire, it carries connotations of stilling, cooling, and peace. According to the physics taught at the time of the Buddha, a burning fire seizes or adheres to its fuel. When extinguished, it is unbound. Mind like fire unbound is a title of Tanisaro, one of Tanisaro's books. Quote, total Nibbana, in some contexts, denotes experience of awakening. Okay, in others, the final passing away of an Arahan. Total Nibban or final Nibban commonly is Pari Nibban, which is uh, passing away of an Arahan commonly, or total finished, complete and perfect enlightenment. Hindrances to concentration, sensual desire, ill will, sloth and drowsiness, restlessness and anxiety, and uncertainty. So freedom from all those hindrances. So freedom from all that can be described or defined. It's actually also a freedom from describing and defining. It's the freedom from fashioning. Then from Damadana, Pali English Glossary, Nibbana, disappearance of mental impurities and of the dangers they do carry out. Reality, bearing neither object nor consciousness. Nama Rupa, both finished. In Nibbana, physical and mental phenomena do no longer appear. When a being does experience Nibbana, this is like an old, old English. When a being does experience Nibbana, he, she becomes an Arya. 
being no longer inclined to commit strongly negative actions such as killing or stealing, he, she will never take rebirth within lower worlds uh, by, by requirement. Nibban can be experienced a large number of times and last from the fraction of a second up to several hours according to the intensity of concentration being developed. This is a critical line, which I had never heard before. The one who has eradicated the whole of Kleshas, which is the Arahant, will experience Nibban at the end of his or her life and will never more depart from it. This is called Parinibbana. Right. So, reality bearing neither object nor consciousness. Subject is consciousness. Consciousness, fifth skanta, vijnana. Subjectivity. Uh, subjectivity is antakarana, or uh, yeah, antakarana as the fourfold, you know, Patanjali and derivative teaching on the fourfold nature of the inner instrument <laughs> or uh, in subjectivity. Antakarana is subjectivity, which itself includes both ahamkara, the sense of I or ego or substantial separative self identity. Antakara, uh, ahamkara, the uh, karma of aham, and then buddhi manas chit, buddhi manas chit, chit, chitta vritti, where that subconscious or storehouse or vasanas, and manas is the conscious mind that is in between um, the discerning awareness of quality, subtle wisdom, knowing of buddhi, function of mind and uh, chit, chitta, which here in Patanjali system is called a storehouse or subconscious or the seed bed of tendencies and vasanas. Manas is in the middle. So those four, chitta, manas, buddhi, ahamkara, is called antakarana. That antakarana is subjectivity, is actually the sense of self. And then, uh, where here it says reality bears is bearing neither object nor consciousness, it means awareness w without fashioning, tatsat, <laughs> uh, uh, or the om tatsat, or tatsat chit, tatsat chit, where tat is suchness, thus as it isness, reality as it is, and then sat is absolute truth, reality, and the word for it. Tatsat, absolute reality, just as it is, is without the perception of consciousness or a form, form of consciousness. The five, there's like Gautama had said, in the at the end of the path, there's a cessation of perception and consciousness, third and fourth, third and fifth skandhas, and then of course there's no fashioning, and then of course there's no sense of substantial identity or fashioned identity. Uh, subjectivity is finished. That's not the end of existence or awareness. It's the end of the arising of perception, fashioning, and uh, subjectivity. So reality, you know, tatsat, uh, has, is, is not of the arising of perception, thus not the arising of form, nor perception, nor consciousness, meaning subjectivity. <laughs> And so it said, in Nibbana, physical and mental phenomena do no longer appear. Hmm? Well, Gautama was not walking into trees. And therefore, uh, what we call physical phenomena of a tree and the ground and walking upon, uh, walking around and not walking into it, that still did appear visually to him, obviously. So to just say physical and mental phenomena don't appear is wrong. They appear. I mean, here I'm beyond myself. I don't know the end. I'm not at the end. I uh, would imagine, yeah, physical, at least physical form appears. <laughs> you don't walk into trees. But it's known, you know, things are not as they appear, nor are they otherwise. That's known. <clears throat> it is and it isn't simultaneously. A tree is a tree and a tree is not a tree. I am Bob, I am not Bob, said Bob in from elsewhere. Like that. It's known to be relatively true and absolutely insubstantial. And the light body, the light energy fields of its uh, form are seen visually, actually, also, okay? They can see it very much like Lucy, you know, Lucy in the movie Lucy. <clears throat> she can see different, there, there are different magnifications available to um, the Arhat. 
When a being does experience Nibbana, he, she becomes an Arya. At this point, Nibbana can be experienced a large number of times and lasts from a fraction of a second up to several hours. This must be, you know, Buddha, from Buddha Gosha or other commentary, according to the intensity of concentration being developed. So, maha, the stability of concentration in samadhi has some bearing on the capacity of that one doing practice to experience nibban uh, for some time. Aha. Uh -huh. Personally, once upon a time, I had an experience, I think it was coming out of meditation, which was shocking. It was basically an experience of in, of achinteya. <laughs> and, and it could be uh, akin to a, a second. <laughs> I mean, a second of Nibbana. <laughs> a split second, a fraction of a second. There was some sense that phenomena, the, the visual forms of a phenomena remained. I could still see, you know, the room, the stuff around me in the room. But there was some sense um, that I couldn't conceive it. It was not simply that their nature is inconceivable. It was the capacity for conceiving wasn't possible. <laughs> it was very weird. So things remained apparently as they have always been. But there was some sense that they're not as I've always conceived. Uh, uh, conceiving wasn't possible. It was a, it was a condition of, of absolute not knowing, which really means not conceiving. <laughs> and it might have been a second of Nibban. I'm not sure. But it's nice to know <laughs> that one can, th th you know, we, it's called demystifying the goal. We need to demystify the goal. If the goal is complete and perfect enlightenment, nirvana, you know, sat-chit, uh, tat-sat-chit, awareness of tat-sat reality, freedom from fashioning, freedom from subjectivity, freedom from identity, freedom from the continued arising of perception, conception, freedom from craving and root, uh, avidya, ignorance, all that freedom, or freedom from all that, um, it is attainable. I'm not saying I've attained it, <laughs> uh, but I'm saying it is doable. And it, it, it's, there is an ordinariness to it, although uh, whatever I experienced, whatever it was, I don't know, was shocking shockingly inconceivable <laughs> it was sort of a, an experience of inconceivability not an intellectual knowing oh true nature is inconceivable it, it was a direct gnosis or direct experiencing um, of existence or phenomena or it, it was not even tagged to the to the objects it was sort of a transformation of awareness uh, where, where something like um, the engine of fashioning was taken offline. The, the, the very mechanics by which perception, conception, you know, proliferation of sankharas come up again, again, again. Because that's what sankhara is, is. It's a fermenting fashioning of perception. Perception and conception is fermenting. That wasn't happening. And it was very odd. There was no sense of me, obviously. It wasn't a sense of, I am here, I am experiencing unity. It wasn't like that at all. It was uh, inconceivability. <laughs> it, was, it was very odd, frankly. It was sort of unfashionability. That, that it was just taken offline. It just it was air-gapped. It just couldn't happen. So, anyway, the one who's finished all the kleshas and... Um, uh, this it, the one who's basically not attached. It, it's, it's a whole other discussion whether the arahan must be morally perfect, where there's no what, there's nothing in, uh, there's no no seeds in the storehouse, or the seed bed in the vasanas is completely purified, sterilized, or something. I'm not sure about that. Uh, anyway. Uh, the final line on this from uh, Dhammadana, Pali English Glossary. Among all these terms, Nibbana is probably the subtlest and most difficult to understand. It is inconceivable by definition. 
Right. It's it's not a state. It is inconceivability. Which is weird. I mean, I didn't walk into the wall uh, like Gautama didn't walk into a tree. And I'm not saying I'm finished with the path at all. But I'm simply saying uh, there was this sort of very odd, I mean, really kind of arresting. It was an arresting state. Meaning, stopped in your tracks, in the tracks of, you know, proliferation, fermenting. <laughs> the tracks of fermenting. Stopped in, stopped in the tracks of fermenting. Uh, where it was inconceivability and it was so weird it was ordinary and extremely non-ordinary at the same time and that was very strange uh, uh, a couple more let me just see what the time is 50-52 from Journey to Nibbana Patanadamma Patanadamma Nibban is where we intend to destinate, and Nibbana is our definite goal. No other Dhamma excels. You see, Nibbana is not a Dhamma, is not a Dhamma really. It's it's not a conditioned state. It's not a thing. It's the ending of conceivings of things, of of fashionings. Anyway, here it wrote, no other Dhamma excels Nibbana, and after crossing samsara oceans with Pant, yeah, this is somebody who's not native English speaker. Crossing Samsara Oceans with Panya Ocean Liner, there is Nibbana welcoming us with full effect. Nibbana, the term, derives from Ivana or Irvana. That, that's, quest, that's debatable. Ni means ikanta or liberated from vana or binding. Vana is the Dhamma, the thing, the, the phenomenon that bind various different lives in the Samsara. <laughs> Not an English speaker. So Nibbana means liberated from binding in Samsara. Binding is Tana, craving. Right. Uh, which comes first? Uh, craving or uh, ahamkara? Eighth better conceit, self-subjectivity. They go together. The arising of subjectivity or fashioning of an identity, which is pre-conscious. You know, it isn't the same as, it's not done in manas, it's actually from chit. Yeah, what we would call the unconscious. But it's not a 3D thing. It's a whole being matter this eighth fetter ahamkara very subtle fashioning of identity does that come before craving i would say they co-arise uh, there's you know identity craves i, I you know that's it uh, ahamkara is tam tana and tana is ahamkara eighth fetter is craving and craving is eighth fetter there's no craving without identity and what identity or separative selfhood does is crave. Meaning, feel there's some problem here that needs to be addressed. I need something. I need to get something. I need to get rid of something. I needs. I needs. The very establishing of an I establishes craving. Ahamkara is Tana. Tana is Ahamkara. And that bonding is Tana. The binding is tana ahamkara, or atta, subjective, the fashioning of a separative subjectivity, which is understandable, right? I mean, this body here ain't over there, so how can I say I'm that? Tatvamasi. Uh, well, <laughs> one won't say tatvamasi in uh, Baimanas. One can only say it in samadhi. And, and with some awareness of the sunya, of sankara fashioning or samskara that samskara fashioning fermenting fabricating fourth skanda uh isanya is empty it's anichanatadoka and so anatta i commonly translate i, I commonly equate sunya and and uh, uh, and um, uh, anatta no self anatta no Atman, no Atta. Anatta and Sunya as emptiness. I, I commonly equate them because I think the deeper meaning of um, Anatta is insubstantiality. There is not a thing. Um, not, there's a self is seen as a thing. Atta, there's me. Because consciousness is uh, located in this body, 
or not you know apparently in the in the wall over there then there's a me and that persists even to sixth density obviously uh, but that is actually um, uh, no self is emptiness and emptiness is the nature of the fashioned identity so anyway okay um, final point Nibban from Buddhist information a survey of Paramatta Dhammas they say Nibban is the Dhamma it's not a Dhamma actually it's not a thing but they say you know, I disagree Nibban is the Dhamma which is the end of defilements klesha and the ceasing of dukkha stress sure Nibban does not have conditions which could cause its arising it doesn't rise and fall away it doesn't arise persist and pass away it's non-conditioned it's the deathless because it's the birthless the birthless is the deathless the non-arising is the deathless deathless is just a funky word that sounds exciting mystifying it's a bit of a mystification of the goal to call it the deathless it means no more death but you know Yeshua talked about no more death too and freedom from 3d and harvest of 4d positive particularly is the end of uh, death in the sense that one no longer believes that that there is terminal uh, termination is seen as a, a lie the termination a terminal condition Ooh. there is no end to being as Ross said there's no end to forever <laughs> forever is no end and that's true nature that's the nature of this one here and you and your each being's true nature you know is uh, boundless that's why one can be free of identity because there's something more than fashioned identity the freedom from this all is not the extinguishing of what I is or what one is there is something greater than Atman Hindus say Paramatman there is something greater than this octave or the 31 planes and that's where the finished the completed go all right what else uh, so long as <laughs> if that's not enough for you that'll probably be for today and it, hopefully it is enough because next time I want to get straight into a tamayata a tamayata a very beautiful page from Sutta Central where you have some heavy hitters weighing in uh, Ajahn Sujato himself <laughs> a teacher a, one of the Ajahns of the Thai forest tradition from Ajahn Chah I believe in August 2017 seven years ago put this in about Atamayata which means not determined by that or um, not fashioned and he would he calls it um, non-identification <laughs> it literally means not made of thatness but that is not such it means not made of something not made up not fashioned with Tanisaro's definition and uh, Ajahn Sujato calls it non-identification but they're the same <laughs> subjectivity is a fashioning that's why identities dropped going from six to three to seven that's why identity falls away at the end uh, the non-arising of perception and visiona same 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 down the page which again this is just uh, uh, appetizer for next meal uh, a John Amaro talks about it in his essay a John Cha's view of the view beautiful stuff um, and a John Cha one of the key teachers in the 20th century a, John, a forest tradition later portion of the century who you know was one of the root teachers of uh, a John Tanisaro Tanisaro Biku and Sujato and Amaro uh, had a whole write-up here of not made of that meaning uh, Atamayata uh, which talks extensively about Anechanata Dukkha and uh, Sunya Tatata Atamayata Tatata is where you get Tat Tatsat Om Tatsat, and um, then you get uh, the four 
Ki Vedanta Krit Maha Maha something. Mahavakya? No, no, no. Anyway, maybe. Uh, but he puts together nicely, Anichanata Dukkha calls that chapter one, page one. But then there's actually three other characteristics at a more refined level, Sunyata, Tatata, and Atamayata. Boom. So there's the first triad, which um, brings us to see... Uh, deeper into the way we can see into the nature of what we're conceiving and then the nature of non-conceiving is the next three sunyata tatata atamayata that's what we'll pick up next time on this page discourse from sutta central uh, the meaning of atamayata and uh, there are other things to do but we'll see what happens after that so heavy stuff i think it's beautiful stuff i hope you enjoy it i enjoy it and um you know keep loving truth if you keep loving truth humanity will keep exposing evil and uh, edifices of evil will keep weakening as they are while they're also quite strong they'll be weakening by the radiatory light consequences of growing loving truth so keep loving truth and you'll also love love and uh, do a big part of uh, helping humanity um, uh, ride smoothly without trauma, <laughs> with uh, some mitigation of the trauma of the end times. So thank you very much. Take good care of yourselves and good night.